I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with a look at the modern smart home and function versus fiction. Our homes are getting smarter. Designers and architects are being given the tools to increase the IQ of home by making it more functional, using smart devices to perform new functions and some old ones. And with this comes a little confusion and challenges in making it all work together. All these individual parts, how do they come together uh, and work cohesively? This conversation is the latest edition of A Moment of Zen, conversations presented by Thermosol that explore designing for wellness and tranquility. This chat features designer John McLean, technology integration expert Dave Rains, and Patrick Wydell from Thermosol. We're talking about tech, integration, and making it all work together within the design. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zanger a fantastic company and an equally fantastic design partner. While the Walker Zanger brand was built on the promise to inspire designers and architects to do their best work, there's far more to it than that. Yes, that promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But at the heart is a family-owned and operated business that provides stunning surfaces for a well-designed home and does it to make designers and architects do their best work for their clients. Walker Zanger started in 1952, and they are absolutely one of the best trade partners a designer can have. Check out their newest collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. And they provide homeowners with the materials that dream kitchens and baths are made of. Check out any of their 14 showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. Thank you for joining us today for A Moment of Zen. This is a presentation uh, presented by Thermosol. And basically, you know, what we're talking about is especially in light of everything that we've been living through for the last five or six months, it's kind of shown a light on how our homes are functioning, more importantly, how they're not functioning, and uh, how we can sort of fix them and make them more livable and make them more enjoyable. This particular conversation I'm extremely excited about, it's function versus fiction. And, you know, we've, in the, in the design space, we've always talked about technology and tech, you know, for the longest time used to be, well, we're going to hang the TV here and the technology part of it and the integration part of it is how we're go- we were going to hide the wires. That was the extent of, uh, of, of tech in, in the design space as it relates to a smart home. But things have been changing dramatically, you know, and now 69% of homes uh, contain one or more smart devices. And I think there's a number of other stats here that we'll be, we'll be putting out for you periodically, but I, I think it's sort of... Uh, drives home the point that it's not just tech, but it's smart tech is really driving uh, design. And so we have three amazing guests today who are going to talk us through some of these ideas. Um, first is Dave Rains with Osby, John McLean of John McLean Design, and uh, Patrick Wydell with Thermosol. Guys, what I wanted to do is in a second, I think I want to throw it to you and Dave, I'll, I'll throw it to you first in just a minute um, to, 
is sort of introduce yourselves and sort of explain how you got to where you are today and what you do in the space. And I wanted to tell everyone who's joining us, if you have any questions for us, do me a favor, down at the chat box, uh, type in your question and, um, and we'll get it read for you when there's, a, when there's a break in the conversation. So with that, um, and again, thank you for joining us today because uh, there's a lot of ways to spend your time and we, we appreciate you being here. Dave, I'm gonna start with you. How did, uh, sort of tell us about you and how you, how you got into this and tell us about Osprey. All right, um, way back in college, I started an IT company, uh, just fixing computers, setting up routers, uh, back when everybody was buying those blue Linksys routers uh, uh, and cable modems were just coming out. And people started asking, okay, you're done setting up the network. Now, what about this thing called a plasma screen? And we started mounting uh, flat panel TVs, started bringing on more people. And then more and more people were asking, can you do this? As the years went on, can we have a smart this? Can we have a smart that? And uh, we would always look into what was out there, what the latest and greatest is. We would get it, we would test it, uh, bring it through all its paces, and uh, clients would ask us, what, what should we be getting? And we would get into the automation of the lights, the shades, the HVAC control, um, surveillance cameras, electrified uh, locks at your doors, and things like that. So um, that's a little bit about what, uh, where I started and what Osby is. Thank you. Um, Patrick, I'm going to throw to you. You are with Thermosol. Ex explain Thermosol for those who who are not up to speed. And, um, sure. And you sure. So uh, Thermosol has been around actually since 1958. Uh, it was started by a uh, family uh, company, uh, David Altman, and uh, by a couple plumbers in New York City. And they got an inquiry from a French diplomat that basically came over and, and was interested in doing a steam bath. And so they got off the phone and said, yeah, we, we could do this. And so they piped it up all the way up to a uh, penthouse in, in Park Avenue, New York City, and uh, went back to their daily lives. And at that time, they took, you know, 10000 some odd dollars, which is more money than they ever saw. And so a couple of weeks later, one of his buddies gives a call to uh, David and says, hey, we're interested in doing something like this, too. Can, can you help us out? They hung up the phone and then lo and behold, there was something to this. And here we are 62 years later, we've definitely evolved as a company. We've really focused in and honed in on the health and wellness aspect, along with uh, a technical touch and, and kind of connecting um, through uh, technology and bringing a whole health and wellness experience to the bathroom, uh, that being steam showering and smart showering. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, John, I am, we've known each other for a long time. You know I'm a huge fan of your work and I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, for those who may have not seen your work in the past, you're a bi-coastal designer. Um, started in Florida, came out to LA. Take us through the, the, the journey of the practice. Where did you start? When did you start? How'd you wind up out here? Well, I kind of fell into design as a profession. I, I, uh, I did designed for family and friends for years and then started my own firm after I had an HGTV show. And I was like, man, okay, I can do this. And then went back to design school, et cetera, et cetera. So started my office in Florida, um, then had an offer, a job offer for a firm here in LA, moved to LA, worked with that firm. And then a few years later, here I am with an office, my own offices back in Florida and then as well here in LA. So I reside in LA, 
And then we do everything from full renovations, uh, new builds. Uh, we love those so we can get in on the ground level. And then we also do, of course, just the decorating aspect of everything. So we kind of do it all. And uh, we have a wide variety of projects and have a great team that works on both coasts. And I kind of just pop back and forth as needed. But we're, we're, we're very happy and very fortunate with where our firm is at the moment. I'm actually going to start with you um, because I, we've, we've spoken before and I, and I know how you work. And one of the things that I admire most about your practice is that you're one, you are a fearless designer. Some designers try to stay in a lane and they try to stick with what they know. You've, you've always been one of those individuals who wants to know what else is out there, um, who wants to sort of, you want to try it, you want to play with it, you want to see what the new toys are so that you can integrate them into the projects. And I wanted to ask you specifically because of that, you know, not to go way back to the beginning of time and design, but really in the last five or six years, because I think that's when the greatest strides have, have been made, especially in kitchen and bath as it relates to technology. How, how do you stay on top of, and again, it's the difference between just technology-based and actually a smart home. How do you stay on top of the product, prod, products? How do you deliver um, and research new products in the market? Well, we do it a couple of different ways. So uh, my own internal way of doing it is, of course, I'm members, uh, a member of a lot of the associations, NKBA, ASID, and those type of associations that really are helpful in um, just reminding us of the new technology that's out there, the new things that are on the market. And then from there, I actually do my own investigations and reach out to individual companies and individual representations of those companies. And I bring them in on my weekly uh, meeting with my team. So every week we have a different team, uh, a visitor to our meeting and that, and that team, uh, my team gets to hear this person, what their uh, products are. And that can range from technology, that can range from just decorative items. But I like to focus on the technology part because yes, you are so right. A lot of our clients are being getting very savvy on that. And it's sometimes they know a little bit more than us, which is scary. So if we don't stay on top of it, we look like we're the underdogs and I don't ever want that to happen. And so yeah, we really try to be proactive about educating ourselves. And that's why I think this panel is really great today for other people who might not have even considered it for a project or have even thought about how their clients would react if they were to present to it because clients don't know what they don't know. And I think it's up to us to bring them certain things sometimes that makes their lives better because that's kind of what our job is as a designer. Totally agree. And, and also Dave, I want to throw this to you because I think that that's a really important point that, that John makes, you know, people don't know what they don't know about tech mm -hmm. for someone who's in it every single day. And I, I think, you know, with, with designers and architects in, in particular, it's one thing to discover new products and try to figure out how to incorporate them into design. It's another thing to try to educate the client who may, who may be a complete Luddite. They may, you know, they may know nothing about it. And then it's something completely different to try to figure out yeah. how, do we, how do we integrate this within every given project? That's why I think that this is a really interesting dynamic in conversation. And if, if Patrick, if you or John want to jump in on this too, about how the partnership works between a brand, an integrator, and a designer. But Dave, curious, how do you, how do you recommend that designers and clients stay on top of new tech? Because it comes out so fast. Well, that's one of the reasons to bring an integrator in. Uh, and when they bring an integrator in, it's our job to tell them what's best, to bring them samples, to show them the newest keypad that's out there, to show how you can control this a different way versus that. 
um, you know, we, we usually spend that time and, and, and go through it and say, just to let you know, I know you did this on the last job, but hey, there's a nicer version of that, or there's a more, um, you know, environmentally friendly version of material that we can use for our shades, for example. So, and here's an example of uh, a keypad on the wall, uh, and that one happens to be very small. It's much smaller than your average wall plate, and you can have different size uh, buttons on it, and those buttons uh, illuminate. So, those are the different, you know, things we would bring to the table and show you what's what's available. Um, and you know, I'm sure many people have done the invisible speakers for when it, when you come to audio. You know, in this shot, uh, we have invisible speakers throughout the entire uh, ceiling, the Venetian plaster ceiling. So there are solutions that we bring um, as integrators. So get that integrator in there early. Patrick, as a as a brand, how do you how do you work with integrators? And do you re do you do it internally? Do you recommend? third parties, how do you work with designers and architects to make sure that the product is installed and specified the way that it's supposed to be? Sure. Well, as of recently, we, you know, we rely heavily on the education process, whether it's in-person trainings via CEUs or, or just lunch and learns at, at their firm. Um, but recently, in light of everything, you know, we, we've had to modify kind of our, our approach to make sure that we're still capturing um, the design audience, because as of late, you know, there's a lot of webinars and stuff going on. So how do we keep up with education, both with trade and the showrooms? Um, we, we've done, we've come up with an approach, as you can see behind me, that we've, you know, come up with a virtual showroom that we can actually touch base one-on-one -on -one with the designer and teach them hands-on without them getting wet per se. They can see it through the video on how to demonstrate and what thermosol can bring to uh, their project, whether it's simply steam or smart showering. But again, this goes back to the heavy education side. Uh, we, you know, we partner with our uh, reps around the country and they obviously are the boots on the ground that uh, are able to penetrate the showrooms on a daily basis and keep constant communication with current product offerings and, and so forth and so on. Um, but uh, in regards to the trade, um, we rely on our CEU content to reach the designers directly because it's incentivized for them to kind of join in and, and keep in touch with, with the latest and greatest that Thermosol has to offer. So really interesting that you bring up CEUs. I, I think, um, John, to, to you, I'm curious, to stay on top of CEUs and to stay on top of the education process, I'm curious, how do you manage that? And what percentage of time do you think you have to spend on that? And what have you always said from an education standpoint, what's, what's missing? What, what, what could be done to help you get more information in a, in a timely manner that you can actually practically use? Well, like Patrick said, everything now is just like we're doing. It's, it's, it's on a webinar. It's on some sort of virtual learning system. There are so many CEUs that I've taken during the pandemic that were like so amazingly easy to get to that I've enforced my whole team into taking them. So I would get the email, get the notification, and we would just jump on it. And I, I really hope, hint, hint, Patrick, that this can continue where we can do a few of these virtual um, CEUs and virtual learning courses because I think it's so easy for people to get the same amount of information. Now, I do miss the interaction, the face-to-face, -face, of course, with different reps, and that, that is going to be something that I am going to look forward to getting back. But I have really embraced this um, virtual learning with CEUs and other, just not even necessarily CEU, but sometimes just good informational chit-chats like you guys host, Josh, on your, on your podcast and things like that that are just really good 
informational thing. But that being said, of course, we have requirements to meet as to, to obtain um, a number of CEUs per year to, to keep our certifications and licenses and so forth. And those we have to meet. Um, some of my team members on my team, my designers aren't necessarily required to meet those CEU criteria, but I do enforce them to actually take the courses anyway and still continue learning. Um, for instance, we have a, a newer employee. She's actually still in, in school. She's just about to graduate and I'm treating her exactly the same way I would treat everyone else and asking her to also start the education process because it's just something that we have to do and it's, and it's our responsibility as a responsible designer to do those things. That's, that's great. I totally agree. And um, it's timely. I got a question from Charlotte uh, who wanted to know, Dave, this is for you. I think mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a great question. Thanks, Charlotte. Um, at, what, at what phase in the project should a designer bring on an integrator for both new construction as well as, a, as an existing remodel? So we like to be brought in when it's just the architect. Before any designers brought in, before any builder has been hired, because there are a lot of important things to think about when it comes to the mechanical systems and coordinating what goes in, where it goes, the lighting system, right? We, we need to make sure everything, the wire diagrams are created. And the earlier that you do get us in, uh, the better your pricing is from your GC because everything's been figured out. Every last piece. You don't need to pick out the TVs at the, you know, back at that stage, but we do need to consider where everything's going so the proper power is allocated. Um, uh, shade pockets, for example, making sure that there's enough openings in the, in the windows. Um, so at the architectural stage is, is my answer. You know, it's really funny. Um, you know how sometimes you look at your work from years ago and you just, you just you shudder at the, it's like, did I, did I? A few years ago, I spoke at Dwell on Design and one of the guests was an inventor who created a smart coffee cup, right? So it would keep your coffee cup at, at, uh, at the temperature you wanted it to. And everyone, everyone thought that this was just the coolest thing that had ever been invented. And I look back now, it's like, really? We're, we, spoke, we talked about a coffee cup for 30 minutes, but it was unique and it was novel. And I think that there are so many options now as it relates to home technology and it's not just the tech side, but it's also the smart side. You know, and that's why we're sort of talking about fiction versus function. It's one thing to want, you know, a studio quality theater room, home theater, but it's something else to have a home that can actually think for you and be intuitive and sort of tell you what it is that you're gonna want before you want it, right? And so John, I'm curious, what are people asking you for now that maybe they weren't asking you for six months, a year, two years ago? Well, I mean, Dave, you may say that they don't have a television, but I promise you the husband in the house has already picked out and probably purchased <laughs> the TV that's going in there. Yeah. That seems to be where everything revolves around. So um, to answer your question, Josh, there's always, I see this split between couples. So there's always one, if it's a family, I see a couple where one of them wants, you know, all technology, all the bells and whistles, and then the other one, perhaps, is like, I just want to turn the lights on in, a, in, a, in an easy manner. And then the other one is like, no, I want the music. I want the security. I want the external lighting. I want, you know, the, the steam controls in my shower. I want to turn my shower on before I get in. And we've had all of those. And it's this kind of happy mix where you have to get in and work with them, find out their needs, and then, and then work with integrators like Dave who help us facilitate that. But 
they want everything. I mean, lighting is the most lighting, music, and security. I would say are the most uh, three requested things that we get asked for. And then from there, you have the, again the the clients who want the shower controls and you know the chromotherapy and the aromatherapy and all those different things in their shower. And and I love those. I think they're fun. I think it's great to get into those things because it's kind of to always be a needle in a haystack. The ones that really are uh, open to to doing all of the really cool things that smart technology can do these days. Um, and then everyone loves their Alexa and they want to incorporate Alexa into that, of course. Um, I gotta talk low or mine might come on if I say it too loudly. <laughs> so <laughs> I need some lights flashing. But yeah, it's, it's this interesting dynamic that I think we as designers have to sit down and just like our fact finding mission on a design project, we have to figure out what is really the nitty gritty of what this client wants and, and what they can afford and what their budget is and what they really need and speaking of it, it's so funny I, john i'm laughing because one of the funnest things if you've never done it before is to just walk through well eventually when we can be in crowds of people walk through crowds of people and just ask siri or alexa to do certain things to play certain things and then you'll see other people's phones start to come on <laughs> it's really fun if you get a chance to do it um if we're ever in a crowd again so, so uh, Patrick, John brought up a really important point that I think is really cool. And one of the things that Thermosol has, has been doing is, is that integration. You, you know, there's a difference between a shower that is functionally utilitarian, it's got a job, and one that's become completely experiential, right? So you've, this is a new experience for, for people. So I, run traps on this for me between aromatherapy, chromotherapy, the touchpad and all the things, all the functions that it does, in addition to the fact that you can set uh, profiles for all of the individual users, which I think really takes the idea of a smart home and makes it so personalized that it, it, it really makes it what everybody's looking for. Well, you hit the nail on the head, Josh. Um, with our Thermatouch specifically, which is shown on the screen, um, that's bringing a whole new level of connectivity to the uh, customer in their home. Um, and at their convenience too, if they so choose that they still would like the Thermatouch without all the bells and whistles, you can do a simple touch screen and, and a steam generator. But what we've, what we've really done is, is brought a new level of uh, experience and customization, as you pointed out. So our Thermatouch, you can expect to see a, quite a few features on there. Uh, one of the features and is one of my favorites is shown on the screen is, is the tranquility scenes. These are nine preloaded set nature scenes ranging from a beach to a babbling brook to a a waterfall where you know the consumer can basically have background noise while they're enjoying a steam it doesn't have to be um, maybe the app store that we also offer on the on the uh, thermotouch which features live tv sports apps news apps weather apps i actually have the last dance going on behind me uh, on the on the thermotouch so um and and of course you know bringing health and wellness is a, is a huge aspect for us uh, along with technology um and so with our uh, whole setup you you know with through the light and sound system uh, we offer a chromotherapy, a mood lighting, and uh, he healing through light, which is the chromotherapy. And with the Thermatouch, you're able to combine all of those on one key, on one pad, and essentially control your own destiny the second you walk in your shower from a simple command through Alexa, telling your shower to turn on at a certain temperature or a flow rate, or even telling Alexa to start up the steam, I'm going to be in there in 10 minutes because the kids are being put to bed, and I'm going to watch myself some sports. And and get some R and R. So, um, really, we're we're providing a level of experience um, that really is is paving the way in in, in the shower uh, for future uh, 
for future opportunities. So it's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, we got a lot of cool stuff coming. We're this, it doesn't stop here. Well, and I think that's a good demonstration of, you know, I, I think this is making people think differently about their design, really about the way that they live and what they, what they expect and what they want from their homes. So here's, and here's kind of the rub, right? When you have, when your refrigerator is a smart refrigerator and your shower is smart and your TVs are operating and all of your individual smartphones and devices, there's, there's a problem. And the problem is how do you feed that with enough bandwidth, which Dave coming to you, you probably saw this coming a mile away. How do you set up a home that is, you know, and this works for the office too, but how do you set up a home to make sure that everything can function the way that it's supposed to? Uh, depends what it is, right? If it's, um, there's, there's two, there are two halves, there are two sides here. There's a lot of the do-it-yourself uh, components that are out there, the, you know, Alexas, the Philips U, all of these other little devices you can get on Amazon, right? You know how those things play. They, they sometimes work, they sometimes don't work, and you got you have to put good Wi-Fi in for them. But then you have the custom uh, home, which probably everyone on here comes from that world where they're doing custom building and custom installations of everything. Um, we need to make sure what we're putting in can talk. And a lot of that's working with each manufacturer. Each manufacturer usually has what's called an API, and that allows different components to talk to each other um, on a level that we can program. So we just ensure what's going in uh, is compatible to create the interface you're seeing on the screen that everything talks to each other. But it is important. A lot of times we do need to get some of these components, beta test them in the shop, make sure that they do work, make sure that they are compatible before approving it and putting it on the spec. And, and John, as far as the design goes. Are, are you working with integrators now? Have you in the past? And do you think after this, maybe you will be more in the future? Um, I will raise my hand and say that I always bring in people smarter than I am, Josh. I, I, no matter what it is, whether it's my own employees or outside people, I always do that because it, make, it makes my firm look better at the end of the day. So I always work with an integrator when it comes to smart home technology. I, I don't even pretend to know, to, to, to think that I know everything about it. I, I know enough to be dangerous and I know enough that uh, what my client wants and sometimes my client knows enough just to be dangerous too. But I, I look at it more of um, accomplishing a goal. So if my client's goal is to have a more secure home, if their goal is to come home and push one button and turn the lights on, that's how I approach the subject. So. I approach it from a very matter of fact standpoint and I kind of make my priority list with my clients and then work with the integrator to figure out how to do that. And like Dave said, my preference is to do it on a new construction home. We've done many of those on new construction homes where every single aspect of that home is, is worked into smart technology. And I, and I love that. And that way, every single design decision aesthetically, um, just like the home we're showing now, we did this home. It's a, we, this home was a new construction, brand new home. We were so fortunate to be able to get in there and work with the integrator and work with the architect and work with the engineers and really get this house not only functional, but beautiful. So all the outside landscaping lights are controlled, the, the interior lighting, the security, the door, every single thing. And um, the client couldn't be happier. The, the, <laughs> the wife is like, yeah, I don't even know. I, I don't care. And then the husband's like, yes, this is the house of the year. And I'm like, it is kind of the house of the year because we were, again, 
really able to get in on the ground level and, and get it to um, get all the components hidden, if you will, so that they don't have to be a, an eyesore or that they don't have to be a problem later for knocking down a wall or opening up a, a soffit and that sort of thing. So that's my preference is the new construction, but we do plenty of homes as well where we're working on retrofitting the systems in place. Well, and, and as, it, as it relates to, to retrofit as well, you know, Dave, you said you want to you be involved when mm -hmm. you're with the architect, you know, at the same time. I, I think that that's also helpful, too, because it helps John and the design team. You know, if you know that you're going to be putting wires or, or a router someplace or you're going to be putting something behind a, a, a sheet of marble, you know, and you have that advanced time or something to put behind mirror or something, you know, I, I think that it's, the hard part for me, because I'm not a designer and I'm not an integrator, is trying to figure out how do you plan predictively, right? How do you, tr how do you try to look like, some of these things like, do we really need a camera inside our refrigerator? Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe we can debate that at some point in time, you know, it's not a movable camera, so you're at the store, you can't see everything, I don't know, maybe there's a use for that, but if there's a camera in, inside the refrigerator, then it's taking up bandwidth at the house that might be used for something else. You know, what we're looking at here is we're looking at a screen that obviously disappears. How, Dave, how do you look at tech and say, this is, you know, I don't, I don't want 19 different remotes. I want, you know, I want to work everything off of, off a device. Here's what I want now. Here's what might work in the future. Maybe these other things I don't really need. So there are a lot of things that we pre-wire for, right? If we, if the client says, you know what, I don't think I want that, we we talk to the builder and we say, look, do, can you can you throw an extra wire here? Can you put this over here just to have it? And a lot of times that's what we do. We we have a blank cover plate at the baseboard. It's there if we need it, or we leave a wire in the closet nearby that we can get to later. Um, but we really look at it and say, you know, what what might get upgraded in the, in a in the future. If we say, if we look at a TV, we say, okay, we're going to build this cabinet that's going to make the TV go away, but we might leave an inch or two around it just in case, you know, if they get a new model comes out and they want that TV to fit in, or um, we're putting in lighting control in half the house and the other half of the house is going to have regular switches on the wall. Uh, we might look at and say, okay, we know that we can add wireless dimmers in later. So we just look at every every single thing. Thermostats, we know that we can go to wireless thermostats later. Um, and it really it comes down to the budget. It comes down to the budget of the client and uh, we see what we can fit in day one. Wait, it comes down to the budget? I've never yeah, heard that. I've never heard that before. <laughs> we we want to do everything everywhere. What does that mean anyway? I don't even know that word. That's a horrible word. Right? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny because I remember a few years ago, I went and toured the, the Neutra VDL house in Silver Lake. And one of the things that really struck me was all of these um, this amazing design and architecture and everything sort of factored in. And you go into the kitchen and it's this really small kitchen in a, in a relatively large house. And all of the sound and all of the lighting had all been worked into the design and the architecture in advance. And then all of the surfaces put up over it. And then, you know, 30, 40, 50 years later, when it stops working, you have absolutely no way to get to it. Um, how they had built-ins, you know, there was a, remember your osterizer, you could put your osterizer, the blender directly into the countertop. 
which is a great feature, except when that model stops working, you have to change out the entire countertop. So, but I think those are the lessons we learned from the pioneers, right? That's how we, that's how we get better. And so Patrick, I'm, you know, I'm throwing this back in your direction because I'm curious, Dave would prefer to work with you guys prior to the architect working on the house, but that's not always possible. And I, I you know, I'm thinking something like a, installing a steam shower in a remodel would, would be more difficult than a new build, but I don't, I don't really know. How do you approach remodel versus new build? Sure. I mean, there's, there's so many different scenarios that you have to kind of look at everything to a T as far as what walls they have open, what they currently have going on, what, what kind of space do they have. And um, especially if it has to do with, you know, high rises and stuff like that, especially when it comes to remodels, it gets a little trickier because then you, you're dealing with uh, HOAs and codes and stuff like that. So remodels tend to get a little tricky when it comes to um, uh, new putting in a steam or a shower valve. Now, if the full, if the walls are fully open and there's, and there's plumbing ready to go, um, then the sky is the limit. If, if the customer is willing to do uh, the work necessary, obviously new build is always a great scenario to be in. The walls are open, you have that space um, and, and things can be run accordingly. Um, with our, with our technology specifically, we try and make it as easy as possible to put a thermosol steam shower in any bathroom. Um, and with that comes education and how to properly do it. And that's where, you know, we start here. Um, we provide that service uh, through consultations and, and meetings and obviously uh, relying heavily on the showroom to portray uh, that same um, sentiment when it comes to remodels, that it's, it can be easier than you think um, if you have the capabilities. Dave, what's the, what's the turnover ratio on tech these days how how much of of what we're putting in now what's the lifespan it, it's actually you'd be surprised um when when you go and, and you put this in your wall you know and, and you don't need to change it for your lighting you don't because it'd be at 20 30 years if you unless you wanted to change it to the new the, you know like the new model right you wanted to go to something different um if we look at each category we say lighting control uh, you've probably been in enough homes that have just a keypad on the wall and you don't have, you know, seven switches. Uh, that's a lighting system. You don't need to change or upgrade any of that once it is working with all of your lights. That will last you for the entirety of your home. Uh, speakers in the ceiling, you can change them if you want better quality, but they don't really go obsolete if they're up there and they're working. Um, HVAC control, same thing. Once it's controlling, you don't need to change it. Uh, your TV, though, that you might want to change every five years to get the newest, latest, and greatest. So you have things that you would want to change, and there are a lot of things you don't need to change unless you want to. So it's more stays in the home than gets upgraded. And it sounds like the things that you're recommending, you know, that need changing, like TVs, you know, the, the, the bracket, the hardware, you know, that, that stuff. Bracket's the same. You keep using that bracket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, one of the things I, a few years ago, about a few, it's been about 10 years ago, uh, working with one company and, who was, you know, you're plugging in your, your iPad or your iPhone into their device, and then Apple went and changed the plug size, yeah. Yeah. which is just, that's just not right. That's so when, when that happened with us, uh, we basically took out the, the unit that you would dock your thing in, and guess what came out? A wireless version of it. So... 
but that was, you know, a $99 upgrade for our clients who spent, you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars with us. It was a $99 upgrade to put in a little box and now they can wirelessly airplay to it. So the infrastructure stayed the same, all the speakers stayed the same. So your initial investment is there's value in it and you still hold on to that value and that investment uh, years to come. So John, when you're talking to your clients and you're talking through tech, does that become, I, I, I have this idea that you know, designers and architects, you don't necessarily have a, a style all your own per se, right? When I started doing the podcast, I would ask designers, you know, I shudder at the thought now, but I would ask designers, so what's your style? You know, and it's, it's not a stupid question, it's just pedestrian, right? And then after time, I kind of realized that it's not your style, it's your fingerprint. Like your design will have your unique fingerprint all over it, right? The style can change. The materials can change, everything about it can change, but it will still have your DNA sort of hard coded into the way that you put everything together. As the opportunities keep presenting themselves for upgrades and doing more with the materials you have, how do you talk to clients about, here's how this tech is going to change the way your, your design functions. So let's look at this and how many different elements are you working more in the bathroom and kitchen? Are you working more with the control centers? Where are you focusing your time? And the other part of this, the other elements that I think make tech for a smarter and better home is we're starting to work on light and filtering out unwanted light, noise and unwanted noise, air quality, water quality, um, I think all of this falls under the, the, the tech banner. So I'm curious with so much going on, how do you work this into your DNA, your design fingerprint? Well, well the, the things that are hidden obviously don't matter so much, but uh, the visual components of this are things that we, frankly, we do take those into consideration and those do become part of what, like how does the control panel look? How many are we gonna have? Do we have to have so many on one wall? How do we avoid that? That is something that I think about as a designer. And, you know, my goal is not only to come into this client's house and make their house beautiful and, you know, choose beautiful fabrics. It has to function. It, it, if the home doesn't function for whatever need that client has, whether it's a family of five or a family of two or a single person, if, if they have to sleep in total darkness and they want to wake up and, and say and open the blinds and the, and the shade opens that's what i need to make happen so to me it's more about the experience and all of these technology components work into that experience and they're so they're so you barely notice them these they're, these days they're so well hidden and they're so frankly they're beautiful i think some of the components are quite lovely and i think that especially for some of the homes that i design that are you know, more contemporary and that sort of thing. We can put them front and center, some of the components, and then the other ones, you know, maybe we kind of conceal them a bit. I had a client who just had multiple um, movable tablets throughout every room and so that he could just take those tablets and move them around the space as he wanted to hide them and and then and kind of like an iPad situation and kind of move it around and, and control it that way. Whereas some people prefer from their phone, some people prefer, of course, the controls on the wall. Um, you know, I have one client now who's trying, I'm trying to balance the line. They're wanting to do smart home, but then they want some things tied to their landline phone. And I'm like, what is a landline phone? I don't even know that people still have those, but so we're trying to tie some of the things, some of the notifications into their landline. So that's a special challenge. And, and uh, you know, 
I do have a question for Dave back on some of the things we were talking about earlier. So as a designer, when how how much how what percentage of your projects do you think are do you bring a designer in or do you ever have a designer work with them? Because I see your point in working with the architect from the beginning, but frankly I think that that's the point that a designer should be brought into the yeah. conversation as well. And I didn't know do you ever sorry to usurp the floor here, Josh, but I'm just curious, like, do you ever bring in and recommend a designer at a certain point in the process where you want the home to feel cohesive uh, as a design? So we are in New York, so it's very competitive here. Uh, we do recommend a few designers uh, when we can, but most of the time a uh, client has a designer or they have an architect. Okay. A lot of these projects are led by a designer because the designer has either architectural people inside their on, on staff or uh, they're handling a light renovation and they'll bring us to the table and we will know what their style is. We will understand what's important to them, to their vision. And we'll say, okay, let's use these products with you because of that. You know, uh, there are, we have certain designers, they say, we don't want to see any in-wall speakers, but they might want to see a sound bar. And we have those sound bars made to the width of the TV. So they, they, they fit nicely in there. And then we have other designers that want invisible speakers. So we have to, we have to work with them on what, what they like. Uh, but most of the case, most cases they're bringing us in. For, oh, perfect. Okay. That's kind of what I was thought you were saying. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. I know that how confusing it could be for a homeowner to try to do and navigate all these waters, design and technology without a designer on board. Yeah, no, we, we dumb it down to them. I mean, I bring an iPad to my meeting. I bring an iPad to the meeting and I say, this is what you're getting. And as you saw in some of the screenshots before, you're getting this interface that you have a, a floor plan of your home there. It's going to be real easy. Just push the room on your, and you build turn. We show them all of that. And then they basically say, I don't want to, I don't want to worry about what goes behind the walls. And that's what we work with you on um, getting that all squared away. Perfect. That's how I handle it as well. Good. Sorry. But it, but it, it, it <laughs> takes a good designer and a good builder to understand technology because of how important it is and how it has to be integrated with, um, you know, air, air filtration or the water or the HVAC, you know, everything all has to be considered. Yeah, that was what I was. Yeah, that was my point. Perfect. Good, good, good. good question, John. Thank you. <laughs> oh, but, um, you know, Dave, I wanted to throw one other thing to you because one of the things that I hear a lot, and I would, I'd like, especially with designers, and, and I think a lot of designers are, are afraid to ask the questions because they don't want to have to try to explain it. I, I hear it a lot. And it's about technology and the other side of it, the security side, the safety side. If there are cameras in my home, you know, what's to prevent somebody from turning that camera around? What's to prevent somebody from being able, being able to listen in via Alexa? We've all heard the stories. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, know what the, we know what the potential threat is. Um, you know, and even now, when you have security systems that you can unlock and lock from, from a device on your phone, it, I, I've had people ask me, and I, I can't answer the question, I don't know how you protect the security and the integrity within within this the system itself how do you walk people through that and and how and again is it is it a focus on certain products where you know that that particular manufacturer does does do the work on on that side of the of the business yeah so 
Well, let's start with the cameras, for example. Um, if you start using these Nest cameras or any of these uh, things that use the cloud, yeah, it's really as easy as someone getting your username and password and boom, they're in. It's, it's that easy. Um, so there's, there's much less security there. There are professional products that are made and used in military applications and police applications that we would use and it would have hardened security on it and you would you would have your firewall closed where people can't get in and but that can, that can be said for every one of the categories you know air conditioning uh, thermostats you know those are web based um, you know even speakers some of them like the little sonos boxes are accessible so we look at every product and we discuss it with the client and we say okay here are all the pros and if we're going to put this in the cloud you have to if you want to be safe about it we need strict passwords you need to change it often things like that. So we do help them choose a product that is more secure. Um, and along those lines, got another question um, from, from the audience. This is a good one too. Uh, with smart programmed homes, what is the solution when the power goes out? And are our clients, is that, are they investing in a backup system? So uh, up in Westchester County in New York, um, or Long Island in the Hamptons, uh, most of our clients are getting a whole house generator. So you're good to go, everything's gonna work. Probably your cable is going to be out because the tree fell on the telephone pole and the cable's out. Um, so you have to watch out, you can have a generator so then people get into the whole cellular backup so they can get online through that. But um, usually these systems just work, everything will work, um, but you, we do rely on every subsystem. We rely on the HVAC system to operate off the generator, or we rely on the lights to be plugged into the generator. Um, in New York City, you're not really getting any generators. It's not possible, pretty much. Um, people are out. People are just out with internet, phone, uh, HVAC. They're just out. But um, typically, uh, electricity does not really go out too much in New York City, which is great, which is John, where I'm located. John, I'm curious um, because you you do you have a lot of clients in Florida. Is this something that you work into designs? Is this something that comes up? Well, yes, and I and let's just be clear and honest that this is not something for the everyday homeowner who's going to buy a full home smart home system. Like this, this is this is you know the elite client, the one that really wants all the bells and whistles. And so I don't want. I mean, there's obviously different versions of it that we can. Uh, bring into the table different smart ways to make your home smarter and, and, and work better for you. But the, the, the really the, the, the showers and all those wonderful things, I love doing those, but frankly, they don't happen that often. And those clients do have a backup generator in their home. Um, that's just part of the plan that they do. And if they don't, frankly, I do actually bring that to the table and mention to them that that's something that they want to consider. And uh, Florida does, our, our Florida clients, they do have a lot of power outages there. And so we do recommend um, uh, the backup generator. Most of them have an entire home backup generator that they use. So John, you said something, and I, I think you bring up a really great point, right? A whole home, you know, doing this thing out like the celebrities do in the Hollywood Hills, maybe that's not for, for everyone because of what the budgets are required to be. Yeah. At the same time, you know, I'm, I'm curious too, I think, and, and Patrick, I'm coming back to you on this, you know, a, a steam shower to me is, is a luxury item. It's, you know, it's something that previously you found in gyms, hotels and spas and salons. That's where you found uh, 
that. And that's why it was so relaxed. You'd go there, you'd come home so relaxed. Well, why are you so relaxed? Well, because they have things that you don't have at your own house. You can't, you can't relax to that level. But I'm also wondering, that's not, you don't, you don't have to be a celebrity to, to be able to find certain parts within your home that you want to upgrade and make smart and make super luxurious. And Patrick, I, I think it's interesting. Tell me about the education process because I think, you know, I'm looking behind you at the, at the lighting and between aromatherapy and chromotherapy and steam and sauna and sort of making, this is not, this is not something that, ha, you know, that is built into every, every home. It's not, you know, bathrooms are going to be there, but a steam shower isn't necessarily built into every bathroom. Where is the education process? And how do you get this to be more, uh, more widely used? No, that's a great point. Um, the education process is something we lean heavily on as far as getting to the grassroots level of the showrooms that carry our product, right? So we have to uh, relay the message from a manufacturer standpoint to our reps who um, represent our product all throughout North America. We have many different reps in each territory. And I'm sure John and Dave uh, you guys have a set of reps that you you rely on. Um, so just like they rely on their reps, uh, we rely on our reps to portray and provide an education to the to the showrooms um, to properly educate the the customer that a steam shower can go in any bathroom. Anything is possible um, if you're willing to invest the time and uh, the energy into the project. Um, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. And one of the first questions I always ask people when I get them on the phone is, "What do you want your shower to do for you?" And they step back and they're like, you know, I never really thought about that. Doesn't it just turn on and off? And I was like, you know, it can be so much more than that if you want it to be. Um, and just with the health and wellness aspect, I think that's really hitting home these days. Um, and so as more people are researching um, how to get healthier, um, what aspects can I incorporate in my kitchen, my bath, my, my master bedroom, uh, all throughout my home, how can I get healthier? And what really Thermosol is providing is um, – is a health and wellness experience for, for the uh, consumer on an everyday level. Um, but through education, um, specifically with the trade, um, it's, it, we have to use every aspect um, at, at, our, um, at our capability, that being the virtual showroom that's sitting behind me. Um, we're able to provide a one-on-one -on -one consultation, go live with someone within 10 minutes if they're just calling in and saying, hey, I heard about your Thermotouch. What, is that, what exactly does it do? Well, we can go live with them and give them a hand one-on-one -on -one demo to make them feel more comfortable. And I think that's really uh, what it comes down to. I think people overthink um, the smart shower and the steam shower. It doesn't have to be too complicated. It can be as simple as you'd like it to be, or it can be as complex and connected as you would like it to be. Yeah, John. I, I just wanted to mention, to piggyback off of Patrick's comment on wellness, we're, we're talking about the, the features of how this works as far as technology and making our lives easier, but the wellness aspect of what Patrick just mentioned is, is, is huge. I have a client who had, um, his wife had Lyme's disease and he really wanted to help her have a better lifestyle. We did a lot of things. We basically retrofitted their entire master suite into a, a, a wellness suite, if you will. And part of that was the chromotherapy, the aromatherapy. Um, we used the Crestron system for uh, all the controls. And the, the point of that was that the husband was able to, he felt, take care of his wife on the wellness front. And he had all these great things installed into the shower for her. And he would use the technology to turn on the shower and get that ready for her before she would go into the steam shower or just take a regular shower. So the wellness aspect cannot be overlooked. It's a huge component of 
of what this is and, and wellness as a whole, I think just even security is a wellness if you really think about it, because you're really you're making your life um, a lot better. That is an excellent point, you know, and, and I do believe that it, it, there's going to be a lot of changes in the future coming out of, you know, the last six months and 2020 was just a disaster. But I think out of every disaster come opportunities that will change the way we live. We see, we see where the need is, right? After the 1918 pandemic, there were huge changes made to foyers and vestibules and bathrooms in particular um, that we see in practice today. And I think we're, we're on the precipice of some major changes in design and construction. I think we can all agree on that. I think that, you know, when it comes to, you know, spas and luxury living and maybe taking a little bit of the luxury where we would always go out of home to get, now we're bringing it more in home. And I think nowhere is it more affected than in the kitchen and bath, right? Last question, same question to all of you, Patrick, I'm gonna start with you. What are some of the things that you think as it relates to design and architecture will change as, as an, you know, after 2020? I think, um, and the industry, the plumbing industry is, you know, if, if you're familiar with the ins and outs, we've always been slow, uh, to, to the, to the start. So, um, you know, in terms of technology, I feel that uh, a hands-on approach, uh, might be heavily, uh, used moving forward. Um, and I think, Dave said or John said it, but you know, the, the in-person meetings are always great. Um, but in regards to architectural design, um, from a product standpoint, I think a lot of hands-free uh, technology um, will be more incorporated, not just in the residential bath, but in the commercial baths, your spas, your hotels, um, you know, maybe just by the wave of a hand across the screen turns on uh, your stuff. So um, it's how can we get more cognizant of being healthy, not just for ourselves, but maybe people around us um, in, in a large setting. Um, how can we improve through product and, and really, um, you know, touch on that point? Because listen, I don't think anyone saw this coming, but um, it's really opened our eyes. Um, and I'm sure Dave and John can agree from a design standpoint, you know, we could be sitting here a year from now and, and something else happens. And, and now we got to really shift focus on, on the whole, whole game. So no. for, yeah, exactly. So hopefully not, I'm knocking on wood, but uh, I think a design in a product standpoint, I think companies like Thermosol um, will, will continue to pave the way uh, for leading edge technology in, uh, in and around the bathroom. Um, and with obviously a focus on the health and wellness aspect. Dave, thoughts? Um, so in New York, it's getting very interesting. You know, things are starting to come back. People are not quite meeting in person. Um, we are doing, you know, lots of Zooms and go-to meetings and, and you know, sharing a lot of uh, what we do over the phone. Um, but, you know, I, I hope things are going to, I hope COVID's going to go away and I hope all this is going to go away. And, and, you know, I look forward to in-person meetings with people, but, um, but yeah, right now we're, we're just hanging in there with, uh, with uh, having, you know, go-to meetings with people and, and showing them what we do. And I think everyone's ready. John, you get the last word, which I know you love. Please do that. <laughs> uh, I have a good answer though. And this is, this is the legit truth. Um, so, so many, for so many years, we go and we design a client's home and they say, I want this to feel like this hotel that I stayed in in Paris or Tokyo or whatever. I'm hearing so much more of that because 
it's cliche to say that, but after we're all holed up in our homes, it's our sanctuary. This is it. Like these four walls around us are what are going to wrap their arms around us every day. And we're literally in that every single day. So now more and more clients, and we're still thankfully very busy and we're still talking to clients every day, but the, the mindset has changed a bit. So now it is more about all of these nurturing things that we can add to their home, not just in fabrics and textures and comfy sofas, but also in, I do want my bathroom to reminisce of that hotel that I stayed in, in, in Japan. And I do want, you know, we're designing a rooftop terrace uh, a deck for a client right now. And it's all based on this uh, <laughs> penthouse suite that they had stayed in at one time because they want that experience at home. So I think a lot of the things that people felt weren't attainable and they, or they had to attain when they traveled or went somewhere else, they want them in their house now. And we're just really finding ways to incorporate all of those little things. And I think it's also worth mentioning for the designers who are on the, on the, on the panel today listening to this, that you should bring that up to clients as well and try to, if they haven't thought about how to nurture themselves, bring up concepts and ideas for them to really nurture themselves, their family, their health. If the wife wants to lock the door and have a spa treatment in her bathroom, figure out a way to do that and bring up ideas to them and don't just wait for them to bring it to the table because that's also part of our duty as well. I think those are excellent points, all three of you. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. I want to remind everybody that um, this conversation is being recorded and it will be uh, published as an episode of Convo by Design. So if you wanted to go back and uh, listen to it again, uh, you can. Uh, it'll be there for you. Patrick, thank you. Dave, thank you. John, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate uh, right. your time. This, this was a moment of Zen presented by Thermosol. And um, thank you to them for... Uh, the time and effort to allow us to do this. Guys, thank you very much. And yeah. for everyone who joined us, thank you very much for, uh, for taking the time. Have a great day and be well. Thank you, John, Dave, and Patrick. This was great. Thank you, Thermosol, for presenting A Moment of Zen. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your continued support. And thank you for listening to the show. Were it not for you, there would be no Convo by Design. No, seriously. So thank you. Please make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss a single episode. You can find Convo by Design online at convobydesign.com. Um, you can also find the show everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can ask your smart device to play Convo by Design, and it will. Say, hey, Siri, play Convo by Design podcast. It's fun. It's amazing. It works. If you want to continue the conversation, you can also find us on Instagram at Convo by Design with an X. Be well, and until next week, keep creating.